Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. HomeandHomesRadio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. There it is right there. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Indeed, the smartest way to hire. The man we hire for our college football analyst is Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Talk about the weekend slate in college football. Pete, good to see you. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Um, I got to ask you about this weekend slate in college football. But first, I know you were at the Red River Shootout. We set you up for this a week ago. I asked you to just find one good, unhealthy, awful food on a stick or waffled cheeseburger, whatever you got. Please tell me you ate something not related to kale. <laughs> so here's here's the thing about the Red River Shootout and all that crazy food on a stick and deep fried and stuffed. It's not like when you walk in, it's like, oh, here's the booth with all the caloric things that could supposedly explodes your heart all right like it's a fair there's ferris wheels there's like those things that spin around there's carnies there's all sorts of chaos going on and i just go need to go cover the game right so it's like 8 15 in the morning when i walk in there and all i'm thinking about is you chuckleheads going to chide me because i'm just going to go in there and eat like the stinky barbecue spread before the game and then by the time i leave i'm tired i'm gonna go back to my hotel and watch football so i ate nothing but I blame geography because like, okay, they had deep fried fettuccine Alfredo balls, right? Crazy nuts. Would I try it? Sure. But what am I going to do? Like go on a treasure hunt around the park to acquiesce to your demands. So I just walked out, got Newberg, went back. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Pete. I respect that. I can respect that. Um, uh, I want to know whether or not you respect Friday night football. I, I know it was a big deal when it came out, and I know there have been some other conferences that were doing it, like the Ivy League, for example. I was doing Friday Night mm -hmm. Games for a while on television. But in particular, the Big Ten. You know, yeah. you see Penn State on a Friday night. You see Ohio State on a Friday night. In these states, high school football is very, very important. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten in particular going to Friday night football? My thoughts are this. I'm going to quote uh, my old friends, Woodward and Bernstein, who aren't actually my friends. They said, follow the money, Ross. It's very simple. The money is there. It's a pot of money. That is a bad game tonight, Northwestern and Ohio State, right? It's not a good football game. If that game was on a 3.30 on a Saturday, you would actively avoid trying to watch it, if for nothing else, just avoid watching Northwestern quarterback play. But you know what's going to happen tonight? All of us are going to watch it because we're all going to be sitting around doing whatever, being with our, and that game is going to be on. If you're at a restaurant, it's going to be on in the, in the, in the background. If you're home with your family, you're going to put it on maybe on mute in the back. Uh, it, it is just, it, we are in a windows and inventory world and windows and inventory, which equate to money for networks are just 
uh, undercutting common sense. So Pat Fitzgerald had some comments on it this week. I don't think any coach likes it. If a coach does like it, he's not going to say it out loud because he's going to irk all the high school coaches that he actually has to recruit from. But even in like a traditional pocket like the Big Ten, it is it is a way of the world. Really, I think the only place that's avoided it is the SEC, and that's because they have the contractual muscle to not have to uh, to not have to do it. But but look, we're in a world of Wednesday football. We're in a world th- we're in a world where we will have football every night of the week come the end of the baseball playoffs, right? And that's just the way it is. It's not going to change. And look, if Northwestern doesn't want Friday night football, they wouldn't have that two hundred. In sixty million dollar jewel of a facility on the water there that that, that Pat Fitzgerald has to recruit to right now. So you have to take a road, and the road college football has taken is they followed the money. God bless America. Give me football seven nights a week. There was Thursday night football. They got eclipsed by, of course, the Chiefs and Broncos and the ALCS. UCLA put a whooping on Stanford, 34-16, 455 total yards. Let's say more about Chip Kelly's resurgence there or what's happened in Stanford. Well, Dave, I'm going to correct you. I think uh, what it got in the way of was amateur doctors on Twitter diagnosing Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> knee. That was actually what happened last night instead of a football game. Uh, I actually watched most of UCLA uh, at Stanford. Look, Stanford had its third-string quarterback. Its offensive line is beat up. When you and we've seen this with Michigan State over the years too, and teams that play this kind of power football. When you play power football and your edge is brutality, and you lose that edge through recruiting, through development, through injury, whatever it is, you are pretty hopeless. Because if you can't beat people up front, there's not a whole lot you can do otherwise. And I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing with Stanford right now. I mean, God bless the kid West who played last night, you know, third string quarterback, just didn't look comfortable. And Stanford had a really elite run at the skill positions, especially Bryce Love, especially Christian McCaffrey, who we're seeing now maybe is the best back in the whole NFL. And they don't have that same kind of point blank point of attack win up in the up in the trenches, which Ross certainly could talk more about eloquently than I I did right there. And then you don't have the kind of skill to maybe if, if you if you're if you're even there or you're at a disadvantage, you don't have kind of skill to break plays to do that, you, you're pretty much hopeless. And that and that's what we saw with Stanford. I, I give Chip Kelly some credit here. Uh the defense of UCLA had been abysmal. Uh, the, the media in Los Angeles has been on uh, coordinator Jerry Arzenado's tail because the defense has just been historically bad there at UCLA. And Chip Kelly stayed the course. Uh, there was a LA Times article this week. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 kids have left the program since Chip Kelly went there. Defiantly, Chip Kelly was going to do it his way. And it's been to his detriment because if he kept some of those players in the Mora era, they probably could have eked out a couple of five and sevens or maybe made a bowl this year or whatever. But Chip said, nope, I'm bringing in my guys. I'm going to do it that way. I got a long contract. If you don't like it, tough cookies. And so this was a testament to what they could become. There's, their offensive line is super inexperienced. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I thought, took some really nice steps forward last night in the way he played. Look, UCLA has a long way to go, but I, I still am clinging to the belief that Chip Kelly did not all of a sudden get dumb. He's a good football coach. He has a plan. He's going to get it there his way. It's just not going to be quick. Yeah, and honestly, just having to be able to build on Stanford and Washington State wins is, is something in and of itself. I think one of the best games, if not the best game this weekend, Pete, is in Happy Valley. It's Penn State hosting Michigan. 
you know, the one point I've been making, they're coming for you, Pete. They're coming for you. Um, the one point I've been making about this game, and I want to know if you agree with me or not, Pete. I just feel like this is a bigger game to Michigan than it is to Penn State. I know it's the whiteout game. I live in central Pennsylvania. I know how much it means to Penn State and everything. But Michigan got embarrassed by Wisconsin on the road. If they are the national featured Fowler Herb Street game and they get embarrassed again, I just think that that would be so bad for the national image and narrative of Michigan. Look, if Penn State loses, it's bad. And, you know, maybe they don't have a chance at the college football playoff. They might not anyway. I don't, I don't think they're as good as Ohio State anyway. They'll, they'll still have a good year. But if Michigan gets embarrassed, Pete, this would be ugly. Is it fair to say this is a bigger game, big picture for Michigan than it is for Penn State? Absolutely. Michigan is the most tenuous 5-1 and one program that I ever remember in college football. Uh, and their offense stinks. It's uncreative. It has no identity. And I think it's going to go into that whiteout and get swallowed whole on Saturday. I don't give Michigan much of a chance to win this game. I think this is a very, very good Penn State team, uh, one that could certainly go into Columbus and challenge Ohio State. I I'm with you. I think the preponderance of talent at Ohio State gives them an edge. But look, football's a funny game. We all know Ohio State is one ankle sprain away from you know being in the upper middle class as opposed to the penthouse, right? Because after Justin Fields, they don't have anything at quarterback. So. This game for Michigan is going to say a lot about Jim Harbaugh and, and his tenure. I, I know I've mentioned on the show earlier this year, guys, Harbaugh only has two years left on his contract at Michigan. And I can't overstate how rare that is for a coach who's won 74% of his games. I mean, usually coaches are begging for extra years for recruiting, even if they're fake, non-guaranteed years, just for the optics of it. So if Michigan goes ahead and loses at Penn State like we expect, loses to Ohio State like we expect, and loses three games and maybe four if a Michigan State or somebody else clips them, Michigan's at a really compelling crossroads because do you bring back a guy who has won a lot but not enough for your fans? It's, it's a really interesting existential question for what you want your program to be. Generally, Michigan's been well run under Harbaugh. They haven't really had any off-field issues, especially when you compare it to what D'Antonio's going through up at Michigan State right now. But is there an expectation that you should compete for championships, which they, ha they, they don't appear to be trending to do this season and haven't been able to do consistently? So then the next question, Pete, and uh, along the Big Ten lines that I have for you, has to do with Joe Moorhead, who was at Penn State. He had kind of a weird press conference after they lost to Tennessee now I'm hearing rumors, and heck, this might have been your report, Pete. I'm not sure, but there was a re report somewhere that Moorhead is the front runner for the Rutgers job. What do you make of Moorhead's post-game speech after the Tennessee game and these reports regarding Moorhead and Rutgers? Well, I think he's been like waving a flag to get him out of town. That's the only way you can read into it. He had a very mealy mouth denial of interest in the Rutgers job when it first came up. And then he basically admitted that the SEC uh, has its foot on his throat. And look, Joe Moorhead was an excellent coach at Fordham, and he did resplendent work with McSorley and Saquon Barkley at Penn State. He has underachieved at Mississippi State. He went eight and five. That defense had three first round picks. It 
you know, was trending to be a historically good Mississippi State team, and they weren't. And they're bad this year. There's no other way to say it. They lost to an epically bad Tennessee team. The offense, which is supposed to be Moorhead's specialty, has completely underachieved both years he's been there. So it's an interesting crossroads. Do you, if you're Rutgers or you're a school like Boston College, do you go get Joe Moorhead and hope he is what he was supposed to be and bring him in the Northeast and hope it works out there? Or do you look at what he's become and try to pull him out of a bad situation? Do you inherit Mississippi State's problem is essentially the question. And I think it's a fascinating philosophical conundrum. Yeah, and then just to piggyback off of that, Pete, if it's not Moorhead, right, Rutgers or whoever, who are the top candidates out there for these jobs that will open up? I'm assuming Illinois. We mentioned Who are the top hot guys? So we'll start at Rutgers because it's open, Ross. I think if you if you look at Rutgers, your, your list is going to be, you know, Greg Shannon is the obvious name there because he's done it there. That That's ground that doesn't need to be uh, retread in terms of establishing his credentials. I think Al Golden is a very interesting name at Rutgers. I feel like Al Golden won big at Temple when it was completely hopeless, and Rutgers right now is completely hopeless. Uh, Jeff Halfley at Ohio State is a name that's sort of surging uh, – it, considering the work he's done there one year in from the uh, NFL, he has a really established college resume that was from a bit ago. So people don't remember, but he was an ace recruiter at Pitt an ace recruiter at Rutgers. He has Jersey ties. So he's, he's someone there. The, the Illinois box is a little bit different because, uh, you know, you're going to hire more of a Midwestern person than, than an East coast guy. And I have, I have two names at, at Illinois, and, and these could certainly apply at Rutgers, especially one of them. We'll, we'll start with Jeff Munkin, who you've obviously had a ton of exposure to, Ross, doing the, uh, doing the Army games like you have. He is very open philosophically to expanding his offensive repertoire outside the option. And he's uh, from the Chicago area, has family, the coaches in the area. I think that is going to be – I think he's going to be a priority name there. And the other one is Willie Fritz, who's just done an excellent job at Tulane. Tulane-Memphis this weekend is kind of a sneaky uh, a sneaky good game on the AAC slate. And he's – Willie Fritz has essentially taken Tulane from a perennial laughing stock and built it up to a top 25 caliber team. And his background is in the Kansas Jucos, D2 in Missouri. He's been in that general Midwestern footprint. And the guy's won over 200 games. That's really hard to do coaching is win that many games and win at every level. And he's taken hard jobs. Uh, Georgia Southern was another one. And he's just simply won. And he's adjusted and adapted and and figured it out. So I think those are going to be the two head coach names that likely get the most traction at Illinois. Uh, In terms of like general hot coaches, it's an interesting interesting dynamic. Uh, We'll start with the assistant coaches. And there's been so many offensive guys hired the past three, four years. The number's about 70%. I crunched it uh, earlier this year in an article. The glut of really talented guys is coming on the defensive side of the ball. But the trends say you don't hire defensive guys. So we're we're at an interesting tension with that. When you look at Brent Venables, who's the best in the game right now at the D.C. position, I mentioned half-late Ohio State. Alex Grinch has obviously done a wonderful job – at Oklahoma, really, I think, rounding them into a more of a legitimate national title contender. Mike Elko at Texas A&M will get some, will get some interest in the, in the Northeastern jobs that open. He's a Penn grad. He's from New Jersey. 
Um, did good work at Wake Forest and Notre Dame before he went down to A&M. Todd Orlando was in the mix at Temple last year. He's the oh. Texas defensive coordinator. There are a bunch of those guys. Joe Brady has obviously surged onto the scene with what LSU has done this year. And then Tony Elliott at Clemson, to me, is the top OC name on the board. He has been for the past couple of years, but he's just been very picky. And, you know, why would you leave the Dabo machine? And you, you still obviously he still obviously has another year of Trevor Lawrence, too. So those are uh, those are the assistant coaches. And then when you go look at the head coaches, uh, I had Jason Candle at Toledo on the top of my list. They obviously had a bad loss to Bowling Green last weekend. And then you start going through the Conference USAs, like Lane Kiffin's name is obviously going to come up. Bill Clark at UAB is, is clearly a name. And then uh, in, in the Mountain West, I didn't mention Andy Avalos at Oregon. He's had a great year as an assistant coach, the D.C. there. And then you look at the Mountain West names. Brian Harson at Boise is obviously going to be a frontline name for a bigger job. And I can obviously keep going and talk about this stuff all day, guys. I feel like I'm, I'm babbling a little bit. There's a, there's, there's certainly a, a, a long and deep field, ha- yeah. however you look at it. There's always coaches who want to take jobs, even if they're bad jobs. All right, I got a name for you. It's Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> Mitt Romney entered the fray on the NCAA pay-for-play uh, situation, and he says, meeting with Jay Billis and Congressman Mark Walker, the reality is Congress. Congress of all people, Pete, is going to act. Congress does nothing. I cover Congress for a living. We're coming for you. We're coming to help these athletes. Look, he's the only senator, but he is a very influential and a very serious man that's run for president a couple of times. How might this change the conversation? I think the snowball's rolling downhill, Dave. Uh, you know, and you've done a great job staying on this, staying on this story. I, I think the momentum is building. It's building. It's building. It's building, and it's not going to stop. It, it, the only place they can stop this is the NCA if it puts in some kind of stopgap measures that everybody agrees on that can trump the local laws, right? And makes it a unified national party. One thing I agree on with the NCA is like Texas can't have a different law than California and Illinois, right? Like you need an even playing field. Just, just like all the pro sports leagues. And, it, and it's incumbent on the NCA to have a, a, a legal playing field. So um, an even playing field, excuse me. So the, the, the National Letter of Intent uh, committee that's gone out, the data's coming back later this month. And it's, it's going to be fascinating because they just can't play four corners on this anymore. Look, like, like all these NCA leaders have basically just like sat there and held on to their slice of the cookie and said, we're just basically going to bilk the money out of the system for as long as possible. Those days are ending, boys. Change is coming. Mm. It certainly feels like it's coming. I'm not betting on Congress to get anything done, but hey, that certainly can't hurt the athlete's case. Pete Dammel, Yahoo Sports. Check out his podcast, Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty, the Yahoo Sports College Sports Podcast. Good to see you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. David Ross, have a great weekend. Thanks, boys. All right, so a couple of things I want to talk about after a word from our friends at ZipRecruiter, including what's the greatest lawsuit that emerged in the last couple of days? There was two beauties and one game we're most looking forward to this NFL Sunday, Ross, in just I a second. I also have an important question for you, Dave, when we come back regarding peanut butter and jelly ratio in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich which I Mm. scarfed down in the two-minute break at the top of the hour. We have less than five minutes of commercial breaks per hour. Nobody else is doing this. It's insane. Make sure, whether you're listening on your laptop or whatever at radio.com slash home, 
or on the radio.com app, you tell everybody you know, look, Ross is awesome, Dave's okay, and they do a show with less than five minutes of commercials per hour. Dave just sits there and chugs Bloody Marys during the show. Ross talks about peanut, the proper peanut butter to jelly ratio. Anyone that wants to spread the word about this show, you are hired. And I didn't even need to find you on ZipRecruiter like Dylan Miskowitz did. Enough with Dylan. I'm, I'm done with Dylan for a little bit. I'm just going to tell you about ZipRecruiter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Probably a lot of lawyers on ZipRecruiter because there are clearly too many lawyers in this country. There are two lawsuits that came to my attention in the last couple of days that I just can't ignore as much as I want to. One, in New Jersey, a couple suing Taco Bell and their parent company, Yum! Brands, because they saw a commercial that advertised this $5 Chalupa Cravings box. Well, they went to Taco Bell. They got two Chalupa Cravings boxes, but instead of 10 bucks, nope, they were charged $12.18. They are suing Taco Bell because they believe they were charged $2.18 too much. Apparently, they missed the fine print that says prices may vary state to state. And just when you thought that was enough, a day later comes this beauty. I need free refills on the Bloody Marys, by the way. Two down, third on the way. A Bronx man suing Universal theme parks because his unlimited refill soda cup Instead of unlimited all he can fill it up, it required a 10-minute waiting period between refills, which is the most ridiculous lawsuit in America right now. A man suing because he had to wait 10 minutes to fill up his Coke cup or the couple suing because they were $2.18 overcharged for Taco Bell. What say you, Judge? Oh, man. I mean, this is obviously a both. And let me just say, Dave, I've never met any of these people involved. I despise all of them. I despise them. I'd like to spit in their face. To me, this is emblematic of everything that's wrong with our society, with the United States, this overly litigious society. What What are you even suing for? If you look for, are they suing for $2.18? I haven't been able to read the entire lawsuit, but no, I, th I think this is more of a uh, pain and suffering sort of uh, they were deceived uh, lawsuit. You know what, Dave, in all sincerity, 
I would like to I, I would like to show them what pain and suffering really is or really could be. They they deserve some pain and they they deserve some real pain and suffering. As for the Philip guy, he's suing for pain and suffering too because it took him ten minutes for the refill. Like, what is wrong <laughs> with people? I look ten at things minutes. so differently now, Dave. I look at things so differently. Like to me, I would be so upset if one of my children ever sued for something like that. I would feel like such a failure as a human being, like my whole life was a waste if one of my children sued because it took time to refill the fill-up cup or $2.18. Like what is wrong with people? Let's get to, let's end on something positive and happy, which is okay. peanut butter to jelly ratio. All right, so right when we're done, Dave, I'm doing the East Carolina Central Florida game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. So I'm in Orlando. I'm going to go racing to Central Florida's football office and interview Josh Heupel, former national championship, and, yeah, and the OU. Central Florida players and coaches. So I had to, during the last two-minute break, crush this peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I bought at Ruby Tuesdays to go in the Orlando airport last night. And it was good. I was hungry, so it was good. It was probably 50-50 peanut butter and jelly. I am more of a 60-40, maybe even 65-35 peanut butter to jelly guy. They can't be even. The peanut butter's the thing. The jelly's really just for the liquidity. The jelly's really just to keep it moist. The peanut butter is the star of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I have to disagree. I'm a I'm a 50-50 guy. I might be 55-45 jelly. My oh peanut my butter, gosh. my my peanut butter and jellies, oftentimes the jelly will run out of the bread onto my hand. I'm not gonna lie. I sometimes lick it up. I sometimes <laughs> take it off the hand. I'll sometimes take it off the, the paper towel or paper plate that it's on. I love the jelly. The jelly to me is the star and it's got to be raspberry. Okay, so that I agree with. I think uh, raspberry, I like some strawberry jam. I like yeah. a little strawberry jam. Strawberry jam definitely better than grape yeah. jelly. Grape jelly is like oh. low on the list. I'm with you on that, but that says a lot about you. I, I, I can't say I'm surprised. You're a jelly guy. What I'm do you think most guy. people are? What do you think most people are? I would say it's probably 70, 30 peanut, pe peanut butter people. But I don't know because nowadays no one has peanut butter. It's not in their homes. It's not in their schools. Everyone's got a peanut allergy. So I'm not sure that our kids really grow up knowing that much about the peanut butter and jelly. In fact, I don't know if I have three kids. No, none of them has ever had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I have a 13, 11 and seven year old. None of them has ever had a peanut butter and jelly. Can you believe How is that? that possible? Why? Peanut allergy. Peanut allergy. You can't have it in the house. And if Do it's around my 13-year-old daughter. I have one daughter who does, the 13-year-old. Oh. So when the oldest does, that means the youngest have to go by that rule. You can't have it in the house. Yeah. You can't have it anywhere around them. And I feel like that is sad. So much a part of my childhood and even my, well, my today, my, my adulthood, like, 
What is life without peanut butter and jelly? It's just sad. The, the, the youngest two are going to crush peanut butter and jelly late night when they go to college. They are going to crush it. Oh, yeah. Hey, but Especially Dave, if they're us, poor, like me. But yeah. Dave, for us, for today's show, let me see if I can do this. For today's show, for us, lights out. Uh, it didn't do that great. Uh, it it would have been better if it was truly dark when you there, there you, go. you go. That'll do it for home and home this week. We'll see everybody on Monday for lights out. Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. See ya. Cheers. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.